That's right, General Quarters, and this is Battleground. Today is Q&A Friday, which uh, has turned out to be just one of the best days probably for the, for the podcast. We have Jeff Green and uh, Robert Arce, two law enforcement vets, two studs. They're here to uh, take over, kidnap, and throw me off the show. It's all yours, guys. Have fun. Uh, look forward to listening to the podcast when you guys are done, man. Uh, thanks, Ivan. You know, we're not going to kick you out. We want you to be here with us and uh, and contribute uh, just like your regular show. We're not stealing anything. We're just making it uh, we're just making it a little better on Friday. How about that? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You guys are uh, you guys are great. It, and, you know, hey, law enforcement, uh, security matters, uh, all, all that good stuff that nobody else is willing to touch. You guys touch. You guys are putting it on the table. And uh, what can I say, man? I'm, I'm just a spectator. I'm a witness to history at this point. So, you know, it's all yours, guys. I'm looking forward to the show. Yeah, awesome. Robert, it's great to have you back with us again this week, too. Got a lot on the plate today. Uh, you know, it's been going on in, uh, in law enforcement across the country. Uh, you know, we had a great discussion last week of why we, uh, why we need to keep our, our officers in our communities and in our schools uh, rather than defund them. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're gonna, you know, talk about some of that today. Uh, first let's, let's talk about the, the, the big national story that's going around right now. Uh, and that's Goodyear, you know, uh, Goodyear, uh, has a, a, a training, uh, class in Topeka, Kansas that, uh, shows a, you know, slide, a PowerPoint slide of zero tolerance. And under that, it says that, uh, uh, Black Lives Matter and lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender pride are acceptable things uh, under their zero tolerance policy. But the things that are not acceptable are blue lives matter, all lives matter, MAGA attire, and political affiliated slogans or materials. Now, let's start right there with that. Is Black Lives Matter not a, a, a political movement that's what they claim i mean you know what they really are is is you know a marxist terrorist organization um you know black lives certainly do matter uh but no more so than anybody else right right it's trying to disassociate themselves also from all the uh rioting and everything else that's going on in some of these cities that we're looking on so they they uh don't want anything to do with that but they're uh, they're claiming that uh, it's a peaceful organization. Uh, you know, you got to ignore anything bad we do. But this is what who we are. And I think it's just a continuation of uh, defunding the police, uh, pushing us away. Yet, if anything happens, obviously, uh, not only would we be the first to be there if they needed help, but uh, they don't want us there unless they want help which, you know, obviously we would never turn down a request for help, but it's just, it's just crazy. It's insane what's, what's happening now with this type of movement. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I don't remember uh, where it was. I think it was in New Mexico, but uh, it's been a few weeks ago, uh, where the guy was walking along minding his own business in, in the middle of one of these protests, and he gets hit in the head with a skateboard and some people, jump on him and he pulls his weapon and defends himself from some guys with a knife you can even hear in the video somebody yelling slit his throat slit his throat he pulls his weapon he fires 
you know, the crowd scatters, and the first thing you hear from that protest group is, get his license plate, get his license plate, call the cops. Yes. You know, yes. I mean, what it, it's idiocy, man. And to think, you know, uh, I, I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, in my career, we, we ran, you know, Goodyear speed-rated tires on all of our uh, police interceptors. Um, you know, law enforcement's always had a good relationship uh, with Goodyear tires and how somebody, you know, now headquarters, uh, in, uh, I think Akron, Ohio said, well, that's, that's not us. That came out of, um, out of a, uh, training class in, in one of our facilities. Um, you know, how anybody associated with Goodyear tires can in any way put anything up that's anti-law enforcement, uh, after all those years, uh, is, is crazy, right? Yes. Yes. And it, it's just a continuation also of like what we talked about last week, where, uh, the school, the schools, different schools kicking out school resource officers because they're caving in to the mob. That's what they're doing. They're caving in the mob. The mob says, we don't want cops here. So they cave in and say, all right, well, we don't, we don't want anything to do with, with you guys. And just like what good you did. And of course now they're backpedaling, um, uh well, and, and they, they all do when they get called out on their ridiculousness, you know, they, yes. they take it over the top, they take it too far. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, in this, uh, in this era of cancel culture, when the culture fights back and says, well, we're going to cancel you instead. Well, all of a sudden it's, oh, that's not what we meant. We, you know, you took that out of context. Um, you know, so it's always, this is what the left always does. It's always one thing for us and, and something else for everybody else. Yes. Yes. And, and the other thing I think we talked about is the danger that, it, that it, this whole attitude, this, this mindset that they have, uh, what we saw earlier in the year where in New York, they announced it disbanded their, uh, street, uh, it was like the street in, in Phoenix, yeah, we call them a uh, street right, crime, yes. street, street crime, crime unit. unit. Yeah. In Phoenix, I was part of a street crime unit, and the street crime unit are very valuable because they're doing, uh, they're proactive. They're not waiting for a crime to happen, but they're trying to prevent crimes from happening. Right. And when I was in the street crime unit, you know, you're, we're working in plain clothes. We're, we have some undercover guys, but we are uh, working with, in high crime areas, uh, primarily looking for weapons. Uh, weapons, right. gang members, and everything else, well, they've disbanded that. It, it just, it's just part of the same attitude that uh, the police are bad, so we don't want any police, and let's let's punish them. That's what it is. Let's punish them. Yeah, and and you know, honestly, what people don't understand in these street crime units is that it's it's not just a couple of guys wandering around picking on somebody. There's extensive planning that goes into this. There's tremendous overwatch. You, you know, you've got backup and surveillance units all over the place, uh, you know, that are, uh, you've got multiple sets of eyes on, on the street uh, in, in a set of circumstances where you're, you're, you're actively looking for criminal behavior. It's not just, it's not just some random thing where we just decided we're going to stop and frisk you. There's right. a whole, you know, overwatch structure that's built into all of this. Right. An example of, say, the street crime unit in Phoenix uh, that I was part of, we had uh, robbery detectives and homicide tell us at the beginning of the month when the back then when they used to mail out the uh, social security and the welfare checks, there were right. drug addicts hanging outside banks waiting for the grandmas to come out and they were rolling grandmothers. 
they're rolling yeah. old ladies out there coming out of the bank and they there was a pattern of them and one of them they knocked this grandma over she hits her head on the sidewalk they put her in a coma so we had to set up in the area and now we're just waiting to watch and it was like it was like watching these like like some mad uh uh lion or something or some waiting for their prey they're snooping out the place or scoping out the place and uh in one case we actually jumped a guy right before he did it in the other one we identify who who one of the guys was that was responsible for a series of them so now we're uh we're acting as a fugitive uh unit to stop him before he does any more and, and you know you get right and, and that in that situation you're you're actually observing a wanted fugitive uh, who's about to commit a crime mm -hmm. and, and you don't have to wait for any kind of probable cause to, to, to get that guy, uh, you know, in, in instance where, where you're just watching a random, random suspect that, that appears to be hinky, uh, you got to wait for him to, to make some kind of overt criminal act. But in this case, right. you're, you're actually seeing a guy that you've already previously identified. You don't have to wait on him to commit a crime. Go get him. Right. And the citizens that live in that area, they're not complaining about us. They're afraid to go to the bank. They're afraid to go to the store. Right. They're, and it's, it's by removing us from the street, you're just making it more dangerous for the people that really need us there. That's all you're doing. That, that, that's it entirely. When, when, when you remove a tool from the toolbox, you, you, you can't get the job done. And, and that's essentially what they're, what they're doing. Just like law enforcement, you know, we, we wear our belt and our, you know, nowadays they're going to the, uh, you know, load bearing vests that have all of our equipment on them. You know, well, if I show up without my radio or my gun or my handcuffs, you know, I have all the tools needed to, to do my job. And, and so take a very viable, valuable, uh, you know, piece of the puzzle out of there uh, in the community, you're making people less safe. Yes, for sure. And it's yeah. uh, like I said, you're just creating a, a an unsafe environment. Uh, and you know, a, a lot of the people in some of these neighborhoods, and you know, we talked about this last week. It's <laughs> they're afraid to go out at night, or they see a yeah. store. Uh, I think earlier in the week, I was talking about uh, somebody uh, shot me a message on Twitter. Uh, I posted our interview from uh, the the stream, the podcast from last week, and somebody right. asked me about it. And one of the things I talked about is related to that, uh, some of the investigations we did where we use community-based policing to make a neighborhood safe. Uh, tense, downtown Phoenix, just east of downtown Phoenix, there was a grocery store where gang members used to hang out in front of a street corner, I mean, 10, 15, 20 deep at night. Nobody would go to that grocery store. That grocery store now, is, it was just a neighborhood market. It's now a, um, a really nice Mexican restaurant. And pre-COVID, I was out there with my, my, with my granddaughters at that right. same place. It's now a restaurant. There's no way I would be going out to that place, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And yeah. it's now safe. And uh, you go out there, it's uh, uh, people from the downtown uh, uh, area go eat there and uh, but there was a time there was you we had to drive or work two guys deep all the time we couldn't we didn't go in there one person at a time we had to go in right. too deep so you just you're just the by by having this attitude that it's that they're pushing it's just making it more more unsafe for anybody that's the common people that are out there trying to make a, a living working hard yeah. in some of these inner city uh, neighborhoods 
Yeah, well, and, and I want to move on to that because, uh, you know, about last week to, taking the school resource officers out of the schools, and now we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, removing valuable uh, law enforcement assets from the community uh, in terms of uh, what we have available to fight crime. And uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, but back in June uh, in Baltimore County, uh, in a virtual classroom, a teacher called the police because a, a student, uh, not on campus, but in his own home, in his own bedroom, had a BB gun hanging on the wall. And we're not only taking school resource officers out of the, the actual schools, and we're taking valuable crime fighters off the streets uh, in favor of some of these social justice programs. But now we are wasting law enforcement time on going to a kid in his own home with a BB gun. Yeah, well, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, uh, and it's a, it's a school teacher. You think that the, a school kid, uh, as we talked before, uh, a lot of it, some of the positive influences in my life were school teachers. And yet you got this school teacher here that's treating you like if you're some criminal because they spot a BB gun in your, in your bedroom. So that's yeah. just and, and the, the school said we're obligated to maintain a safe environment from our students, whether it's in our own schools or in our virtual classrooms. Well, if I'm looking at uh, you on a on a computer screen, I have no idea how safe you are or what's going on or anything, um, you know, and, and I don't know good or bad what's going on. And it's not my place. To, to make that decision because, you know, you don't have the, to it's one thing to be sitting in a classroom and see a kid with a gun and say, all right, I know in this set of circumstances that this is bad, but that gun is just hanging on the wall behind the kid who's there by himself in the room. You know, I don't think that gun's going to jump off the wall and suddenly attack that kid in his own bedroom classroom. Yes, and the school teacher is determining that some BB gun or whatever is dangerous in the background. And then when the school teacher is done with this uh, online class, is running out and hanging out with your Antifa types and protesting against police. How right. crazy is that, yeah. huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's crazy the, 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 what, what they think about guns. Uh, you know, I, I don't know since you've retired, do you know whether you, you carry regularly or anything, but, always, but I'm, always. I'm, I'm, ne I'm never without a weapon. I've got one sitting here on the corner of my desk now, and it shocks me to think that I may have to start worrying that that thing may jump up and turn on me. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> There's training classes for those, for those firearms. So they don't turn on you. So uh, yeah, it's, and I think one of the disturbing things when you look at this whole climate that we're facing right now, this, this anti-police climate is a lot of the, or you see a lot of these uh, protesters, uh, so-called peaceful protesters are being arrested. And it seems like a teacher, a teacher or school, some type of school employee seems right. to be a, a common uh, a type of employment. And that's scary that we send our kids to that. Yeah. I have yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're sending them to little mini indoctrination camps. Yep. I mean, if, if they think anything else other than what the, the teachers are telling them, then the teachers are sending them to the principal or worse, as we see here, calling the police. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's absolutely, you must do it my way or, or, or you, you're, you're going to be in trouble. And, yes. um, 
you know, and here's another thing, and I don't know what your, uh, your, uh, responsibilities over your career as, as a, uh, you know, field supervisor were, but, uh, you know, I, I, I spent a good, uh, a good eight years, uh, as a, uh, as a patrol supervisor. And, um, you know, if, if I'm the supervisor and I hear that call go out over the radio to, to go check, cause some kid's got a BB gun, uh, you know, hanging on the wall of his house. My guys aren't going to that call. Now I'll, I'll speak to, I'll have the dispatcher patch me back through to that complaining and say, all right, what's your, what's your problem? What's going on? But w until I know that there's more to the situation than somebody's gun hanging on their gun rack, we're not going to that call. That's not a call for law enforcement to investigate. No, not at all. And, you know, I think, well, I want to jump back to uh, what we're talking about, how the climate has changed. Uh, when yeah. I was at the tail end of my career, uh, I was working in a gang unit uh, for a while, and I was no longer in an undercover unit, so I didn't care if anybody knew who I was. Uh, what happened was I ran into my old eighth grade teacher. Uh, he was still teaching from the uh, school I, was, I had attended. And we started talking and he said, hey, I'd like you to come over back to the school and talk to my, let's talk to all the seventh and eighth graders. And I said, what do you want me to talk to them? I'll talk to them. You're from the neighborhood. I mean, look, you, you made it out of the neighborhood. I think it'd be a positive thing for them to hear you. So I go to the school and I walk in. And of course, I'm looking out of the audience and I feel like I'm looking at myself because that was me. I'm looking at right. them and they're not paying attention to this old guy that wants to talk to him. So the thing to get their attention, I said, listen, I have something in common with you that you guys don't realize. I said, I went to this school. And I said, as a matter of fact, my eighth grade teacher is sitting back there. There's Mr. Jimenez. He was my eighth grade teacher. Now they all turn around and they go, dang, Mr. Jimenez is old. And I said, my PE coach <laughs> is now your principal. And now I have their attention. And now right. I'm saying, all right, who's, whose parents went to school there? And they start raising their hands. I know their parents. I know their aunts. I know their uncles. It became a thing where other schools started calling me within that school district. And right. I was going out and speaking to schools as a former student who is now a cop. Imagine that now where like, they don't even want us on the school. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these woke principals and school teachers. No. And, and if you, if you walk in in uniform, they want you to leave your weapon in the car. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it was so different. And I mean, the response was really, you know, to me, you have, as, as, a, as, a, as an adult, someone touched me, obviously. I remember when I was going to school, they used to bring in uh, athletes. Our, our PE teacher had played uh, football and basketball at Arizona State University. So he was bringing in the star football and basketball players from my era. And we were in awe. They'd give us stay away from drugs, stay away from gangs, speech. And, and like I mentioned last week, you know, I lost both my parents by the time I was 10 years old. Those were people I looked up to. You know, I listened to what they said. And if you touch one person, that's, you know, you can't save the world, but you want to try and reach as many of these kids, especially your high-risk kids that could use any type of encouragement. And, uh, and yet now they want to turn us away because uh, we're, we're a threatening, uh, we're, we're some type of threatening influence on some of these kids. Well, probably to the teacher, but not to the kids, because if the teacher looks, you know, it's, it's the attitude that's coming from the administrators, not the kids, but the teachers yeah, are right. the ones that are determining that. They're the ones that, well, the teacher says, 
well, I don't like cops or I'm afraid by cops or whatever I'm doing. So I'm going to decide that they're a danger or a threatening influence to these children. That's crazy. Right. You know, one of the other things, know, you know, how you feel about this, but uh, um, when I would go places and I would see a parent that said to their child, you see him, if you don't behave yourself, he's going to take you to jail. Yes. Well, that's <laughs> terrible. That is terrible advice to, to, to a kid. What you need to be telling your kids is, is you see him, if you're in trouble, that's where you go. That's where you go. That's the person to help you when mommy and daddy aren't around is that, uh, that officer in that uniform because he knows what to do. Yes. And, and, I mean, it drives me nuts. You know, and, and then you got the clowns where you go in somewhere, uh, you know, that will turn and point to their buddy and go, he did it, you yes. know, yes. throw their hands up and go, I did, it's not me. You, you know, everybody's a, everybody's a clown and, yes. you know, and, and people just have to learn that, you know, police officers are just like them when they walk into wherever they're, they happen to be. Uh, they're there to do, you know, whatever their business may be that they're doing, and they're still part of the community. That's why they're in there doing their business, even if they're in uniform. Uh, and and that's that's why they're there is because they're contributing to the community in so many more more ways than just enforcing the law. Yes, I, I mean I, I recall that so often where you would have these parents would point out at point us out as we're walking into a store or a restaurant and say. See that? See that police right there? Or see that cop? He's see that stick he has? He's gonna hit you with that if you don't listen. Right. To him. Like I don't yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you tell the parent, you know, if you don't stop saying that, I'm gonna hit you with the stick. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes. No kidding. So, uh, okay. Well, let's uh, let's move on now. I want to talk about one other thing because they're talking about defunding the police. Uh, but, uh, I, and I know that, you know, Phoenix would have, would have had this cause I know we had it. And that is the, uh, the old federal surplus program where you could get military gear, uh, right. to equip your officers. And one of the greatest things that came out of that, uh, is that we, we were able to obtain, uh, an armored Bearcat, you yeah. know, so that we, we had an armored vehicle that, uh, that in, in a, you know, dire, uh, situation, we could put it between an active shooter and, and injured people, uh, and bring in aid to, uh, to, to facilitate a rescue. Uh, and I know I'm a hundred percent know that you all had that too. Yes. And we had to learn the hard way. Uh, from the start of my career to the current time, my agency's lost 30 people, 30 officers. Right. Uh, one of those incidents was a, uh, two of our officers, you know, rolling to a, a I, I don't remember if it was a domestic violence and unknown trouble and they're barely getting out of their car and somebody inside the house starts shooting with rifle fire at them and hits both of them. And now we have two officers down, one is dead. And we didn't have at that time, I don't think we had those type of that type of gear. So officers had to get creative and put ballistic vest, which wouldn't have done anything with a rifle at that time uh, on the side of the cars and, they commandeered a armored truck, like a bank for, for a bank. And they were able to retrieve the dead officer and the wounded officer. And it was shortly after that, that we started transitioning to long rifles ourselves and right. some of the military equipment, but out of necessity. 
Yeah, and I think you know a lot of that goes back also to the uh, the the famous North Hollywood bank robbery shootout in uh, in you know Los Angeles, uh, where uh, for forty four minutes police in, engaged uh, uh, these bank robbers in a running gun battle because they were not equipped to end that situation right there where it started and it wound up putting you know hundreds of people's lives at risk you know bullets flying everywhere uh and they actually had to go uh you know while they're waiting on SWAT to get there uh one officer actually went to a sporting goods store and commandeered a, a long gun uh yes. you know to uh to try and in end the the fight and and you know that's what we're facing in our streets today is is criminals that are much better armed, uh, including body armor. Um, you know, some of them even utilizing, uh, military tactics themselves. You know, they, we, we see all the time, uh, these, these groups that go to, you know, rob banks or armor trucks or whatever, they'll toss a smoke grenade out or something like that. Um, you know, and they're all decked out, uh, head to toe in, in body armor and automatic weapons. And it's ridiculous to think that, the people that we're sending out there to stop that only have a handgun or, right. you know, the old uh, 12 gauge pump. Yes. I mentioned uh, to Yvonne before, I think one of the first podcasts I did with him is that I was at ground zero when the cocaine explosion hit in the eighties as a yeah. young, as a young police officer, then as a narcotics cop. And during those days, we were all still carrying revolvers. When I got to narcotics, we were carrying five shot 38, two-inch revolvers with speed loaders and all the bad guys yeah. were carrying semi-automatics and rifles and, and and all that other stuff so it was we got to see the transition as we were having to uh, adapt to what they were doing and then later on uh, towards the tail end of my career we had groups operating in phoenix uh from mexico illegally in the u.s with military training dressing as swat officers getting in suburbans, raiding houses of drug dealers uh, to steal drug loads or do do hits. And they would have ski mask, Phoenix PD or DEA shirts, uh, full body armor with side uh, tactical, with a hip tactical holsters, uh, rifles, the whole bit. And we had right. one incident where our SWAT team ended up getting in a chase with a group of them. And when they finally catch them, they're looking at them and they look just like our SWAT guys. Yeah. So they're dressed just like him. And that's, you know, thankfully, we were able to transition from carrying revolvers. And, you know, back in the old days, we were still using the uh, speed loaders. But uh, they, we have to be able to fight back and, and actually protect ourselves because uh, these criminal groups have a lot of money. They have money to Absol buy absolutely the best they gear. Do. You yep. know, and and you know, under the Obama administration, when they did away with the 1033 uh, military mm -hmm. surplus program, uh, they said, "Well, we don't want cops looking like they're going to war." But that's exactly what's happening. It's a war zone out there in our streets, right. and uh, you know, it, it, it's only getting worse as we seek to defund the police. I mean, those Seattle, Portland, those are war zones. Yeah, you know, and, and uh, you you want people to you know that you have assigned to protect you to have all of the equipment that uh that they need to do that again tools right it's it's right. all about proper tools and uh you wouldn't you wouldn't have a you wouldn't hire a guy to build your house and, and you know get him to drive framing nails with a jeweler's hammer 
No. You know, you no. get a big framing hammer. Yes. <laughs> same, it's same thing. Yes, and it's. I think the thing is, I I, I like the you like to use the the toolbox. It's as a, as a police officer, the, as as my career was moving forward, not only with the tools that we had uh, to protect ourselves and protect the citizens, uh, the community we're serving, as far as with the firearms and different equipment we had, but also we need to evolve with investigative tools. The investigative tools, I, I started out with uh, uh, early on is when I was working narcotics and later on doing wiretap investigations. I think back we were using reel-to-reel then cassette tapes, and then it became right. digital, and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, we're we're having to evolve, and with different ways that drug organizations and criminals communicate, they're also evolving constantly to try and avoid being detected by us. And it's a cat and mouse yeah, game. It is. It's 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 all about cat and mouse. And I actually had a a, a guy that I was arresting, you know, uh, one time, and and I was talking to him, you know, and I said, uh, I I said. How come some days you run and some days you just you just give up? And he said, "Well, it's all about the game. Yeah, it's all about the game." He said, "You know, if if I know you got me, and it ain't really much, then then I'm gonna give up. But if you're about to get me and and I got something serious going on, I'm gonna take off. And and you know, it's just it's just a game. And uh, you know, that's that's how they look at it because they don't have a regard for human life." They they're yeah. just they're just playing the game. Now I know we're we're starting to run short on time. Ivan, how are we looking there, buddy? He's probably got his mic muted. Uh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, we're yeah. we're about we're about uh, t t minus five minutes, man. Yeah, well, well, you've been awful quiet over there, and you're not usually that quiet. But uh, one of the things that I want to bring you back in on uh, and close out with, because I know that uh, we talked about this with Wolf Wagner uh, back in November when we did our VA uh, show, uh, Deputy Secretary of the, of the Veterans Administration, Wolf Wagner, and that was uh, mental health issues for our our military, and and we've got. Uh, you know, a lot of the same issues, Robert, uh, going on with our law enforcement right now. And, uh, you know, we don't have the resources out there yet that are available for our first responders. And there are some great programs that are starting to come out. We're starting to see them. Uh, one of them is in Syracuse, where the police department in Syracuse has adopted a new mental health service uh, for officers uh, to look at their mental and emotional health. Um, and uh, it's an app that uh, they're trying to install um, that, uh, you know, will allow officers to anonymously reach out to these mental health services, uh, you know, to, to help them cope with the stuff that they see and all of the hatred that's coming at police officers now. Um, you know, police officers have a 54% higher suicide rate than the average person. Um, and so many of those mental health disorders that go along with that. So, uh, you know, I think it's a good thing that, to, that it's finally being recognized here. Yes. And, and, you know, like earlier when I was talking about how we have to evolve, uh, I was involved in a shooting uh, in early in my career. And back then, uh, you know, uh, internal affairs comes out, homicide comes out, the county attorneys comes out, they separate us, they interview us. We write a quick report. And we're back to work. There was, I mean, yeah. we were back to work the very next day. And now 
I think they get three days off. Uh, they have to talk to a, uh, a professional. Uh, they talk to a doctor. But back then, I mean, I'm telling you, we, I, in, in my deal, we, I got home and I couldn't go to sleep. It was, you know, you're, right. just, you're, uh, you're on that high. And then yeah. afterwards, the next day, you're coming back to work and they expect you, hey, go back to work, you know. Yeah. And now well, it and, has changed for the and, good, and, I believe. Well, absolutely, it has. You know, and back then, you know, we they told us, you know, well, real men don't don't, uh, you know, we we don't express our feelings, and we don't do. Right. And I was I was involved in a, a a case one time where one of my guys that that uh, I supervised um, was struck by a car while he was out on a traffic stop, had a serious traumatic uh, brain injury, and when I got on the scene. Um, I had to literally hold him in my arms, you know, b blood all over me, all over him. I mean, we're just laying in a puddle of blood because he was having a seizure while the EMTs were trying to, uh, trying to cut all his gear off of him and everything to, to get him loaded up. And, and, uh, you know, after the event was over, the, the chief deputy came to me and he said, well, do you want to go see, you know, the, the, the mental health, uh, uh, counselor to talk about any kind of guilt or grief or anything. And I said, well, why would I have any guilt or grief? I didn't hit him with the car, yes. you know, and, and I went back to work, but you know, the truth of the matter is that that, you know, it, what you find out later, you know, after all that happens is that you do, you've got a lot of guilt and grief and, uh, um, you know, it's really that weighs heavily on you. So this, you know, the ability for an app to be anonymous to, uh, to allow these officers to, you know, express some of that is really a, a brilliant idea, I think. Yes, and, you know, and, and you've been, you know, in your career, I'm sure you saw it, is too many of us turn to just like the military people will as a, in order to cope, what do they do? They turn to a bottle. Yeah. Uh, they start drinking. Uh, and the thing is, is that we also had a group that I think we formed, I think it was an unofficial group, but at Phoenix PD, guys that have been shot and survived right. pretty bad yeah. shootings. We yeah. have guys that have survived that now are mentors to the ones that are now recovering because I had a friend of mine that got shot, two guys, two different, very good friends. One was an old partner, got shot in it. One took um, kind of close to a year to recover. The other one, a good six months. Yeah. But they may recover physically, but mentally they're going through a lot of uh, – issues that they have to deal with right. and it's, just, uh, it's, it's always good to deal with that yeah vi vital to have that uh, mm -hmm. vital to have that support structure uh, hey guys, robert hey. again we got q a with uh, queen and arce on the framers forum uh, segment on battleground ivan that's all we got we're going to turn it back over to you buddy absolutely man and dude you guys are great man love having you guys uh nobody's doing this anywhere anywhere on any station, any TV, nowhere in the world do we have two studs like you guys, man. And I'm going to leave it with this last piece of information that just broke. The Portland police have arrested the uh, that guy, Marquis Love, that that attacked that um, that kid. Awesome. That, that, that went Fantastic. Around. Yeah. Awesome. They finally caught him. He is arrested. He's being charged with uh, three counts of uh, – uh, assault, coercion, and riot, which are all felonies. So good yeah, day for law good enforcement, stuff. good day for Q&A, good day for Jeff uh, Queen and Robert Arce. Thank you, guys, man. You guys are studs, and we'll see you next week. Thanks. Peace we'll out. See you next week. Absolutely. And don't go anywhere. We're going to be right back with some more Battlegrounds. Welcome back. We don't like to finish our podcast without first thanking our sponsors and also thanking you for listening to us every week. 
uh, and every day. Um, please visit Hispanic Leadership Council at hlc.gop. We can't do it without our sponsors. Uh, they're working very, very hard on converting the Hispanic vote to the Republican Party. Also, Empower America Project, empower.org. Uh, great organization working to bring in all minorities into the Republican Party, converting us into a big tent and making sure we win some elections. If you've been on our page on uh, either Twitter or Facebook, you've seen some armored vehicles uh, that we like to use. Um, armorforrent.com. That's where you can find them. Those vehicles have been in movies. Uh, they were deployed during Katrina. Uh, they were used in the movie Predator and the movie Red Dawn. Really, really cool stuff. Paladin Operations Group, paladinoperations.com, full service security company, uh, anywhere from dignitaries, personal security to uh, sensitive infrastructure. Check them out. Great people. Another group we like to uh, we like to mention is OpportunityMattersFund.org. Opportunity Matters is led by Trey Gowdy. The guy's a stud. Check them out. Uh, they're doing a lot, a lot of great work. And finally, Battleground Group, uh, which is a media company, comms company, political strategy company. Um, check them out. If you need help, we're here. Thank you, and we'll see you tomorrow with some great guests. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.